Book Six, Canto One of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Six. The sixth book of the Fairy Queen containing the legend of Sir Calidore, or of courtesy. The ways through which my weary steps I guide in this delightful land of fairy are so exceeding spacious and wide, and sprinkled with such sweet variety of all that pleasant is to ear or eye, that I nigh ravished with rare thoughts delight my tedious travel to forget thereby. And when I gin to feel decay of might, its strength to me supplies and cheers my dullard sprite. Such secret comfort and such heavenly pleasures, ye sacred imps that on Parnasso dwell, and there the keeping have of learning's treasures, which do all worldly riches far excel, into the minds of mortal men do well, and goodly fury into them infuse. Guide ye my footing, and conduct me well in these strange ways, where never foot did use, ne none can find but who was taught them by the muse. Reveal to me the sacred nursery of virtue, which with you doth there remain, where it in silver bowers does hidden lie from view of men and wicked world's disdain. Since it at first was by the gods with pain planted in earth, being derived at first from heavenly seeds of bounty sovereign, and by them long with careful labor nursed, till it to ripeness grew, and forth to honor burst. Amongst them all grows not a fairer flower than is the blossom of comely courtesy, which, though it on a lowly stock do bower, yet brancheth forth in brave nobility, and spreads itself through all civility, of which, though present age do plenteous seem, yet, being matched with plain antiquity, he will them all but feigned shows esteem which carry colors fair, that feeble eyes misdeem. But in the trial of true courtesy, it's now so far from that which then it was, that it indeed is not but forgery, fashioned to please the eyes of them that pass, which see not perfect things but in a glass. Yet is that glass so gay, that it can blind the wisest sight, to think gold that is brass. But virtue's seat is deep within the mind, and not in outward shows, but inward thoughts defined. But where shall I in all antiquity so fair a pattern find, where may be seen the goodly praise of princely courtesy, as in yourself, O sovereign lady queen, in whose pure mind, as in a mirror sheen, it shows, and with her brightness doth inflame the eyes of all which thereon fixed been. But meriteth indeed an higher name, yet so from low to high uplifted is your fame. Then pardon me, most dreaded sovereign, that from yourself I do this virtue bring, and to yourself do it return again. So from the ocean all rivers spring, and tribute back repay as to their king. Write so from you all goodly virtues well into the rest which round about you ring, fair lords and ladies which about you dwell, and do adorn your court where courtesies excel. Canto One, Calidore saves from Malafort a damsel used viled, doth vanquish Crudor, and doth make Brianna wax more mild. Of court, it seems, men courtesy do call, 
for that it there most useth to abound, and well beseemeth that in princes' hall that virtue should be plentifully found, which of all goodly manners is the ground and root of civil conversation. Right so in fairy court it did redound, where courteous knights and ladies most did one of all the earth, and made a matchless paragon. But mongst them all was none more courteous knight than Calidore, beloved over all, in whom it seems that gentleness of sprite and manners mild were planted natural, to which he adding comely guise withal and gracious speech did steal men's hearts away. Nathless thereto he was full stout and tall, and well approved in battleless affray, that him did much renown, and far his fame display. Ne was there knight, ne was there lady found in fairy court, but him did dear embrace for his fair usage and condition sound, the which in all men's liking gained place, and with the greatest purchased greatest grace, which he could wisely use and well apply to please the best and the evil to embase, for he loathed leasing and base flattery, and loved simple truth and steadfast honesty. And now he was in travel on his way upon an hard adventure sore bestead, when as by chance he met upon a day with Artegall, returning yet half sad from his late conquest which he gotten had. Who, when as each of other had the sight, they knew themselves, and both their persons rad, when Calidore thus first, Hail, noblest knight, of all this day on ground that breathe in living sprite. Now tell, if please you, of the good success which ye have had in your late enterprise. To whom Sir Artegall gan to express his whole exploit and valorous emprise, in order as it did to him arise. Now, happy man, said then Sir Calidore, which have so goodly as ye can devise achieved so hard a quest as few before, that shall you most renowned make for evermore. But where ye ended have, now I begin, to tread an endless trace without an guide, or good direction how to enter in, or how to issue forth in ways untried, in perils strange, in labors long and wide, in which, although good fortune may befall, yet shall it not by none be testified. What is that quest, quoth then Sir Artegall, that you into such perils presently doth call? The blatant beast, quoth he, I do pursue, and through the world incessantly do chase till I him overtake, or else subdue. Yet know I not, or how, or in what place to find him out, yet still I forward trace. What is that blatant beast? Then he replied. It is a monster bred of hellish race, then answered he, which often hath annoyed good knights and ladies true, and many else destroyed. Of Cerberus, while Ome he was begot, and fell Chimera in her darksome den, through foul commixture of his filthy blot, where he was fostered long in Stygian fen, till he to perfect ripeness grew, and then into this wicked world he forth was sent, to be the plague and scourge of wretched men, whom with vile tongue and venomous intent he sore doth wound and bite, and cruelly torment. Then, since the salvage island I did leave, said Artegall, I such a beast did see, the which did seem a thousand tongues to have, that all in spite and malice did agree, with which he bayed and loudly barked at me, as if that he at once would me devour. But I, that knew myself from peril free, did not regard his malice nor his power, but he the more his wicked poison forth did pour.' 
that surely is that beast said calidore which i pursue of whom i am right glad to hear these tidings which have none afore through all my weary travel i have had yet now some hope your words unto me add now god you speed quoth then sir artegall and keep your body from the danger drad for ye have much ado to deal with all so both took goodly leave and parted several sir calidore thence travelled not long when as by chance a comely squire he found that thorough some more mighty enemies wrong both hand and foot unto a tree was bound who seeing him from far with piteous sound of his shrill cries him called to his aid to whom approaching in that painful stound when he him saw for no demands he stayed but first him loosed and afterwards thus to him said unhappy squire what hard mishap thee brought into this bay of peril and disgrace what cruel hand thy wretched thraldom wrought and thee captived in this shameful place to whom he answered thus my hapless case is not occasioned through my misdesert but through misfortune which did me abase unto this shame and my young hopes subvert ere that i in her guileful trains was well expert not far from hence upon yond rocky hill hard by a strait there stands a castle strong which doth observe a custom lewd and ill and it hath long maintained with mighty wrong for may no knight nor lady pass along that way and yet they needs must pass that way by reason of the strait and rocks among but they that lady's locks do shave away and that knight's beard for toll which they for passage pay a shameful use as ever i did hear said calidore and to be overthrown but by what means did they at first it rear and for what cause tell if thou have it known said then that squire the lady which doth own this castle is by name brianna hight than which a prouder lady liveth none she long time hath dear loved a doughty knight and sought to win his love by all the means she might his name is crudor who through high disdain and proud despite of his self-pleasing mind refused hath to yield her love again until a mantle she for him do find with beards of knights and locks of ladies lined which to provide she hath this castle dight and therein hath a seneschal assigned called malefort a man of mickle might who executes her wicked will with worse despite he this same day as i that waited come with a fair damsel my beloved dear in execution of her lawless doom did set upon us flying both for fear for little boots against him hand to rear me first he took unable to withstand and whiles he her pursued everywhere till his return unto this tree he bond and what i surely whether her he yet have found thus whiles they spake they heard a rueful shriek of one loud crying which they straightway guessed that it was she the which for help did seek though looking up unto the cry to lest they saw that carl from far with hand unblessed hailing that maiden by the yellow hair that all her garments from her snowy breast and from her head her locks he nigh did tear nor would he spare for pity nor refrain for fear which heinous sight when calidore beheld eftsoons he loosed that squire and so him left with heart's dismay and inward dolor quelled for to pursue that villain which had reft that piteous spoil by so injurious theft whom overtaking loud to him he cried 
Leave Fator quickly that misgotten weft to him that hath it better justified, and turn thee soon to him of whom thou art defied. Who, hearkening to that voice, himself upreared, and seeing him so fiercely towards make, against him stoutly ran, as not afeared, but rather more enraged for those words' sake. And with stern countenance thus unto him spake, Art thou the caitiff that defiest me, and for this maid whose party thou dost take wilt give thy beard, though it but little be? Yet shall it not her locks for ransom from me free? With that he fiercely at him flew, and laid on hideous strokes with most importune might, that oft he made him stagger as unstayed, and oft recoil to shun his sharp despite. But Calador, that was well skilled in fight, him long forbore, and still his spirit spared, lying in wait how him he damage might. But when he felt him shrink and come toward, he greater grew, and gan to drive at him more hard. Like as a water-stream whose swelling source shall drive a mill, within strong banks is pent, and long restrained of his ready course, so soon as passage is unto him lent breaks forth, and makes his way more violent, such was the fury of Sir Calidore, when once he felt his foeman to relent. He fiercely him pursued, and pressed sore, who, as he still decayed, so he increased more. The heavy burden of whose dreadful might, when as the carl no longer could sustain, his heart gan faint, and straight he took his flight towards the castle, where, if need constrain, his hope of refuge used to remain. Whom Calidore perceiving fast to fly, he him pursued, and chased through the plain, that he for dread of death gan loud to cry upon the ward to open to him hastily. They from the wall him seeing so aghast, the gate soon opened to receive him in. But Calidore did follow him so fast that even in the porch he him did win and cleft his head asunder to the chin. The carcass, tumbling down within the door, did choke the entrance with a lump of sin that it could not be shut, whilst Calidore did enter in and slew the porter on the floor. With that the rest, the which the castle kept, about him flocked and hard at him did lay, but he them all from him full lightly swept as doth a steer in heat of summer's day with his long tail the brises brush away. Thence passing forth into the hall he came, where of the lady's self in sad dismay he was emet, who with uncomely shame gan him salute, and foul upbraid with faulty blame. False traitor knight, said she, no knight at all, but scorn of arms that hast with guilty hand murdered my men and slain my seneschal. Now comest thou to rob my house unmanned, and spoil myself, that cannot thee withstand? Yet doubt thou not, but that some better knight than thou, that shall thy treason understand, will it avenge, and pay thee with thy right, and if none do, yet shame shall thee with shame requite. Much was the knight abashed at that word, yet answered thus, Not unto me the shame, but to the shameful doer it afford. Blood is no blemish, for it is no blame to punish those that do deserve the same. But they that break bands of civility and wicked customs make, those do defame both noble arms and gentle courtesy. No greater shame to man than inhumanity. Then do yourself 
for dread of shame forego this evil manner which ye here maintain and do instead thereof mild courtesy show to all that pass that shall you glory gain more than his love which thus ye seek to attain wherewith all full of wrath she thus replied vile recreant know that i do much disdain thy courteous lore that dost my love deride who scorns thy idle scoff and bids thee be defied to take defiance at a lady's word quoth he i hold it no indignity but were he here that would it with his sword abet perhaps he mote it dear aby cowherd quoth she were not that thou wouldst fly ere he do come he should be soon in place if i do so said he then liberty i leave to you for a me to disgrace with all those shames that erst ye spake me to deface with that a dwarf she called to her in haste and taking from her hand a ring of gold a privy token which between them passed bade him to fly with all the speed he could to crudor and desire him that he would vouchsafe to rescue her against a knight who through strong power had now herself in hold having late slain her seneschal in fight and all her people murdered with outrageous might the dwarf his waited haste and went all night but calidore did with her there abide the coming of that so much threatened knight where that discourteous dame with scornful pride and foul entreaty him indignified that iron heart it hardly could sustain yet he that could his wrath full wisely guide did well endure her womanish disdain and did himself from frail impatience refrain the morrow next before the lamp of light above the earth upreared his flaming head the dwarf which bore that message to her knight brought answer back that ere he tasted bread he would her succour and alive or dead her foe deliver up into her hand therefore he willed her do away all dread and that of him she mote assured stand he sent to her his basenet as a faithful band thereof full blithe the lady straight became and gan to augment her bitterness much more yet no whit more appalled for the same ne aught dismayed was sir calidore but rather did more cheerful seem therefore and having soon his arms about him dight did issue forth to meet his foe afore where long he stayed not when as a knight he spied come pricking on with all his power and might well weened he straight that he should be the same which took in hand her quarrel to maintain ne stayed to ask if it were he by name but couched his spear and ran at him amain they been met in middest of the plain with so fell fury and dispiteous force that neither could the other stroke sustain but rudely rolled to ground both man and horse neither of other taking pity nor remorse but calidore uprose again full light whiles yet his foe lay fast in senseless sound yet would he not him hurt although he might for shame he weened a sleeping wight to wound but when brianna saw that dreary stound there where she stood upon the castle wall she deemed him sure to have been dead on ground and made such piteous mourning therewithal that from the battlements she ready seemed to fall nathless at length himself he did uprear in lustless wise as if against his will ere he had slept his fill he wakened were and gan to stretch his limbs which feeling ill of his late fall a while he rested still but when he saw his foe before him view 
he shook off luskishness and courage chill kindling afresh gan battle to renew to prove if better foot than horseback would ensue there then began a fearful cruel fray betwixt them two for mastery of might for both were wondrous practic in that play and passing well expert in single fight and both inflamed with furious despite which as it still increased so still increased their cruel strokes and terrible affright now once for ruth their rigor they released now once to breathe awhile their anger's tempest ceased thus long they traced and traversed to and fro and tried all ways how each mote entrance make into the life of his malignant foe they hewed their helms and plates asunder break as they had potshares been for not mote slake their greedy vengeances but gory blood that at the last like to a purple lake of bloody gore congealed about them stood which from their riven sides forth gushed like a flood at length it chanced that both their hands on high at once did heave with all their power and might thinking the utmost of their force to try and prove the final fortune of the fight but calidore that was more quick of sight and nimbler handed than his enemy prevented him before his stroke could light and on the helmet smote him formerly that made him stoop to ground with meek humility and ere he could recover foot again he following that fair advantage fast his stroke redoubled with such might and main that him upon the ground he grovelling cast and leaping to him light would have unlaced his helm to make unto his vengeance way who seeing in what danger he was placed cried out ah mercy sir do me not slay but save my life which lot before your foot doth lay with that his mortal hand awhile he stayed and having somewhat calmed his wrathful heat with goodly patience thus he to him said and is the boast of that proud lady's threat that menaced me from the field to beat now brought to this by this now may ye learn strangers no more so rudely to entreat but put away proud look and usage stern the which shall not to you but foul dishonour yearn for nothing is more blameful to a knight that curtsy doth as well as arms profess however strong and fortunate in fight than the reproach of pride and cruelness in vain he seeketh others to suppress who hath not learned himself first to subdue all flesh is frail and full of fickleness subject to fortune's chance still changing new what haps to-day to me to-morrow may to you who will not mercy unto others shew how can he mercy ever hope to have to pay each with his own is right and due yet since ye mercy now do need to crave i will it grant your hopeless life to save with these conditions which i will propound first that ye better shall yourself behave unto all errant knights where so on ground next that ye ladies aid in every stead and stound the wretched man that all this while did dwell in dread of death his hests did gladly hear and promised to perform his precept well and whatsoever else he would require so suffering him to rise he made him swear by his own sword and by the cross thereon to take brianna for his loving fear withouten dower or composition 
but to release his former foul condition. All which accepting, and with faithful oath binding himself most firmly to obey, he up arose, however lief or loath, and swore to him true fealty for A. Then forth he called from sorrowful dismay the sad Brianna, which all this beheld, who coming forth yet full of late affray, Sir Calidore upcheered, and to her telled all this accord to which he Crudor had compelled, whereof she now more glad than sorry erst, all overcome with infinite effect for his exceeding courtesy that pierced her stubborn heart with inward deep effect. Before his feet herself she did project, and him adoring as her life's dear lord, with all due thanks and dutiful respect, herself acknowledged bound for that accord by which he had to her both life and love restored. So all returning to the castle glad, most joyfully she them did entertain, where goodly glee and feast to them she made, to show her thankful mind and meaning fain, by all the means she mote it best explain. And after all, unto Sir Calidore she freely gave that castle for his pain, and herself bound to him for evermore, so wondrously now changed from that she was afore. But Calidore himself would not retain nor land nor fee for hire of his good deed, but gave them straight unto that squire again, whom from her seneschal he lately freed, and to his damsel as their rightful meed, for recompense of all their former wrong. There he remained with them right well agreed, till of his wounds he wexed whole and strong, and then to his first quest he passed forth along. End of Canto One Recording by Thomas Copeland